Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we give you thanks that you've chosen us. Lord, these are weighty matters. These are matters too great for us, but you've chosen us. And you've said in your word that you speak to us, that you speak through us, that your Holy Spirit would lead us, not that we have understanding, but that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding. And so we ask that you speak to us, that you would be in us, in our words, in our studying of your word, in the proclaiming of your gospel. We pray that you speak to us today, that we hear not from man, but that we were able to hear from your throne. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about this year, the highway of holiness. And Pastor started to talk about um, this, what I'm about to say. But when we talk about, you know, everybody knows what a highway is. Thank God we live in the United States. Thank God for the turnpike and I-95. And, and, and we're able to get somewhere quickly without obstruction, without detours, without getting lost, because we, we know what a highway is in the United States. Um, but we don't know, we're not as familiar with holiness. And so what is holiness? Because that sounds like something, um, well, I'll just say it's a subject of confusion sometimes for the church. So if we're going to spend the whole year talking about holiness, let's understand what it is. If you look it up in the dictionary, in, the, in Bible dictionaries, holiness means, and it had several words, but my favorite, I didn't even know it was a word, set-apartness. I didn't know it was a compound word. Set-apartness for God. What is the highway of holiness? The highway of holiness is the highway that you enter when you set yourself apart for God. What are we talking about with the highway of holiness? Setting yourself apart for God to do what he put you here to do. Not trying to figure your way out to see where you're going to go and how you're going to get there. But giving yourself over, setting yourself apart, God, I'm yours. I belong to you. Do your will in my life. And when you do that, when you set yourself apart and give yourself to God, the Bible says <clears throat> that God's going to put you on a highway. And we're going to read about that highway, and then, and then we're going to understand a little bit more about the focus that pastor asked me to bring today, which is being on assignment. What does it mean to be on assignment on the highway of holiness? So let's go to Isaiah 35. Remember, we just read that God was bringing his judgment upon mankind in Isaiah 34. If we could put up Isaiah 35. Isaiah 34 was a wilderness and a wasteland. But Isaiah 35 says, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad, and the desert shall re rejoice and blossom as the rose. When you set yourself apart for God, 
when you set yourself apart to do God's will, the places that were wilderness, the places that were wastelands, the deserts in your life will be glad. The deserts in your life will become a place, thank you, a place of blossom and rejoicing. Verse 2. That place will blossom abundantly. When you're on the highway of holiness, joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be to it, to the highway. The excellence of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord. When you give yourself to the Lord, you're going to see his glory. They shall see the glory of our God. Next verse. Therefore, and I'm injecting the therefore, but I think it's implied. Therefore, strengthen the weak hands and firm the feeble knees. I read this and I said, you know, Lord, this is, this is interesting because how often, I bet right now you need to be strengthened. More often than not, we're not feeling strengthened and we need to get strength from somewhere. So God says, strengthen the weak hands and firm the feeble knees. And you know what? Sometimes isn't it enough for somebody to say, take courage? Sometimes it's enough just for somebody to say, take courage. In the world, they might say, suck it up. Take it like a man. Toughen up. Sometimes it's enough just to say it. But as I was reading this, I said, Lord, you know, sometimes you just need to be reminded. But sometimes when you're, when you're just so tired and so weak, I imagine there's people that are so weak that their knees feel so feeble that it's not enough just to say, hey, be encouraged, brother. Hey, strengthen yourself. And it, this was just in my thoughts as I was preparing today. Lord, okay, it tells me strengthen the weak hands. And I was saying, but how, Lord? How do I strengthen the weak hands and the feeble knees? Verse 34. Say to those who are fearful, be strong and do not fear. But how, Lord? By letting them know that your God will come and he will save you. Where's my strength? If I'm out of strength, if my knees are weak, and I've already stood up as many times as I feel like I can, and if my strength is just gone, and I've already tried to encourage myself, where am I going to get the strength? The Bible says, be strong, do not fear, for your God will come with a vengeance. Your God will come and save you. Strengthen them with the hope. Strengthen them with the proclamation that I'm coming to save them. Strengthen them with the fact that I'm going to show up. That I'm going to step into their life, not gingerly, with a vengeance. God is going to show up in your life, you that are weak and feeble, so take courage. Verse 5. On this highway of holiness, pastor said, Lord, I don't see it. I don't see your call. Pastor said, what if you don't see his calling? What if you don't hear his calling? Look how faithful God is. Verse 35, he answers you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. 
Lord, I don't see it. Set yourself apart for God. Set yourself apart for God and you'll see it. It says, when you walk, and we're gonna, we haven't gotten to the part where it declares that this is the highway of holiness, but we're about to get there. But this entire chapter is about the highway of holiness and it says, then when they... When God comes and saves you, when God puts you on the highway of holiness, then the eyes of the blind will be open. When are you going to see your calling? When are you going to hear from God? When you set yourself apart for him. That's what it means to be holy. We want to know what holiness means. It doesn't mean yellow smoke. It doesn't mean some un un unattainable, unexplainable spirituality holiness means set apart dedicated for god set yourself apart for god and your eyes are going to be your blind eyes will be open and your deaf ears will be unstopped verse six then the lame shall leap like a deer the tongue of the dumb will sing all of these happen on the highway of holiness Waters will burst forth in the desert, in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. Verse 7. The parched ground, the thirsty land, in the habitation of jackals, where each lay, there shall be reeds and rushes. The dry place, the thirsty place, where you don't feel, there, where there's no life, where there's only death and withering and drying, shall bring forth grass and reeds and rushes. Verse 8. This is a highway, and this is where it put, gives us the context. A highway shall be there. When you set yourself apart for God, God puts you on a highway. And it's a highway where your eyes Have you ever tried to make it through your house with the lights off? You have to, the Bible says it's like groping in the dark. You, you can't go very fast when you can't see where you're going. Have you ever tried driving? <laughs> there's, a funny, um, there's a funny video on the internet. I don't particularly like this guy. Um, or I shouldn't say I don't like him. I don't like his videos. But there's a guy named LaJuan James, and he has a video talking about how his mother tells him, turn off the radio, I can't see where I'm going. And, and it's funny because as a kid, you're like, what does the radio have to do with watching where you're going? But it's a matter of, so, and we can, but we can all relate to that. When you're trying to go somewhere, you need to be focused. And sometimes, and you need to see where you're going, but you also need to hear the road to know if there's cars coming up behind you, to know nowadays with the GPS where to get off. And so many times our ears are stopped up. They're, we're so busy. There's so much noise that we can't hear God. There's so much going on, so much clutter in our life that we can't see God. But when you set yourself apart on the highway, when you set yourself apart for God, God puts you on a highway where you can see him 
He puts you on a highway where you can hear him. The last verse, or the last sentence of this verse says, you will not go astray. When you set yourself apart for God, there'll be a highway and a road. It'll be called the highway of holiness. And while the clean shall not pass over it, it shall be for others. And whoever walks in the road, in the road although a fool, shall not go astray. Even if you don't know the way, you just get on the highway and go. And the exit will be marked clearly when you get, you don't know how to get there, but the exit is going to be marked clearly. You'll be able to see because your eyes are open and your ears are unstopped. Verse 9. No lion shall be there, nor shall there be any beast that go upon it. We're reading this so... We're reading these verses so you understand how awesome and how desirable the highway of holiness is. Place of vision, a place where you can hear God, a place of fruitfulness, a, pray, a place where no lion and no beast tread, no danger. It shall not be found there, but the re, who's going to walk there? The redeemed of the Lord shall walk there. Verse 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. When you set yourself apart for God, and I encourage you to continue to meditate on this chapter all year, and that's what we're going to do as a church. Continue to read it, and I'm confident that God is going to give you understanding. But we're talking, if we're talking about the highway of holiness, and we know that that's where God wants us to be, what does it mean to be on assignment in the, on the highway of holiness? Mark 16, 24. Sixteen twenty-four. Sorry, Matthew sixteen twenty-four. If anyone desires to come after me, if anyone desires a highway of holiness, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Three things are required. And I, we're just going to look at two of them to keep it simple for today. If anyone desires to come after me, if anyone desires the highway of holiness, let him deny himself. If you're going to set yourself apart for God, you have to deny yourself. And there's no way around that. If you want what God has for you, you have to deny yourself. Well, the highway of holiness is not your way. The highway of holiness is God's way, which means God, not my will. God, I'm not going to live for me. And listen, 
I know these are lofty things. I remember hearing this and it being such a challenge to me as a person. I said, Lord, I'm not at that level. I'm not at the place where I say, Lord, you're my only desire. But the Bible says to the level to which you've obtained, live to the level that you've obtained and the Lord will give you understanding. So ask the Lord, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And Lord, if that's not my desire, give me the desire. Give me the desire, Lord, or take away all other desire that keeps me from desiring you above all else. Whatever I'm putting above you, Lord, I, I, I have to be sincere. It's there. I can't pretend like it's not there. I can be excited and encouraged during this message. Sometimes you get excited, you get encouraged, but in the back of your mind you're thinking, yeah, but you're saying amen now, but Monday's going to come around and you're going to go back to who you were. I, let me encourage you with this. If you give that to God, God will change you. And I know you don't believe me because you've been living with yourself so long and struggling so long with the same things. You don't believe that if you give it to God, he's going to change you. But if you've been in church any amount of time, if you've given your life to the Lord, you already know God has already changed you. You're not who you were. If you've been walking with the Lord, if you've given your life to the Lord, you know that God has already changed you. I am not who I was. 99.9% of everybody that I know that has walked with the Lord is not, the Lord has not left them the same. The Lord has changed their heart. The Lord has changed their mind, the way they feel, the way they think, the things they desire. So if God changed us, Why is it that we can't believe that he will continually bring us to maturity? If God brought us this far and it was him, it wasn't us, why are we quick to believe that we're stuck here? You weren't stuck when you met God wherever you met him and in whatever condition you were in. The Bible says you were far from God, that that you were separated from God and from his love, if God brought you from where you were to where you are, what makes you think he's not going to bring you to, and that he cannot and will not bring you to where he wants you to be? So if you're struggling with these verses that say deny yourself, with the verses that say take up your cross and follow me, tell God, God, just in your prayer time, God, remove these desires that keep me from you. Remove the desires that, and the priorities that I'm placing above you. Give me a new heart, a heart that wants to love you the way you ought to be loved, the way you desire to be loved, the way you command to be loved. Allow me, Lord. Change me. Change my heart. Change my mind. And God will do it. The same way he's already done it to bring you this far. If God brought you this far, he's going to bring you to maturity if you desire it. Let's go back to whatever verse we left off on. 
24, it says, If anyone desires the highway of holiness, let him deny himself. Listen, if you're going to be on assignment, it's on God's assignment. That means it's not on your assignment. On assignment with God means his, it's his idea and his plan, not your plan. So if you're on assignment with your plan, you struck out. You're, in, in Spanish, there's a saying, out por regla. It's like you're by default, you're out automatically if you're on your own assignment. It says, let him deny himself, his plans, his assignments, his desires, take up his cross and follow me. So it's not doing my will and saying, Lord, I mean, self, it's not you. God, then it's follow me. God, what is it you want from me? Okay, I'm not doing, I'm not tied up doing my will. <clears throat> now what, Lord? What's on your heart? Lord, help me to know your heart. Help me to know your will so that I can follow you and do it. Verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life, whoever desires to save his plans, whoever desires to save his ideas, his will, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever sets himself apart for God, whoever denies himself and sets himself apart for God, whoever loses his life, that's what it means to deny yourself. You lose your life. That's what it means to be holy. Holy means set apart. I'm not living for me. I'm not living for anybody. I'm not living for me. I'm not living for my wife. I'm not living for my kids. I'm living for God. And for those of you who are concerned about that doctrine, God, God's order is him first, then your family, right? So if you're not right with God, you're not going to be in right relationship with your family. But God commands you, God commands you, so if you're doing God's will, you're going to obey him to love your wife and to love your children. But the order is, I'm living for God, and because I live for God, I love my wife. Because I live for God, I care for my children. I'm not living, my priority is not myself, it's not my family, it's not my friends. My priority is God and from God emanate, he's the source and the direction of all other priorities. Verse 20, we were on 26. For whoever desires, <clears throat> let's go to 25, I think we're still on 25. Whoever desires to save his life, to live for himself, is going to lose it anyway. But whoever lays down his life and sets himself apart for God, he will find it. Verse 26. For what good is it? What does it profit a man if he gains the world? What does it profit a man that he accomplishes his own desires, that he gets where he wants to go, that he does what he wants to do, and he loses his soul? Or what is a man going to give in exchange for his soul? 
Next verse. Why does, it, why does it say what is a man going to give in exchange for his soul? It says because the son of man is going to come in the glory of his father and they will reward each one according to his works. At the end of your life, eventually you're going to come before the judgment seat of God. And what will it have profited you to have done your will to the exclusion of God's will. The Bible says if you want to come after God. And here's, here's, here's what a lot of Christians do. Maybe because we haven't been. And I say we. I mean the church in general. Because I think here we do a decent job of it. But maybe because the gospel hasn't been preached the way it should, for some reason Christians struggle with, I want to do my will and I want to do God's will. How can, I, how can I get what I want? How can I do what I want and still live for God? We desire to live for God, but we don't let go of our life. And we struggle with that. And thankfully, Jesus makes it really clear. If you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself. He makes it clear so that you're struggling in the indecision. The Bible says multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. And we struggle there with something, thankfully, God has made clear. Unfortunately, it's not preached enough. But God has already said, you know why it's not preached? Because it's not popular. Because the way is narrow is the way that leads to life. And there's few that find it. It's not a popular saying. There's a lot of things that Jesus taught that caused the multitudes to go away. It's not a popular saying. But the Bible says, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. And there's so many people that come to church looking to save their life. And you know what? It's human nature. We all have that um, tendency and that predisposition. But we, <clears throat> when, you're preaching the, when you're preaching the gospel, when you're studying the word, you have to be careful not to give in to that disposition. And to see clearly that the Bible says you can't live for yourself and live for God. You cannot. They're like opposites. The antithesis of living for God is living for yourself. The opposite. And so, if you want to walk on the highway, if you want to set yourself apart for God, you're setting yourself apart even from yourself, from your own desires and your own will. Let's go to... I think I lost the verse here. Ah, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know? I want to I pause here and have you meditate on this. Because this is kind of not a conclusion, but it's one of the... This is one of the foundations of the decision to live. There's a couple of foundations for living for God. One of them is denying yourself. If you're going to live for God and set yourself apart for God, 
you have to deny yourself. That's one foundation. Another foundation in the life that is set apart for God is do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and who you have from God? And here's, here's the part I'm talking about. You are not your own. If you have any doubt about does God really want me to live that way? Does God, number one, does God want it? Number two, does God expect it? Does God expect me to live all out for him? Well, number one, he says, if you want to live for him, you have to deny yourself. So the answer is yes. And then he says, you are not your own. God is speaking to you today. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You are not your own. For some, that's going to reach deep into their heart. For others, the Bible says it's going to be like the seed that falls on the wayside. It falls on the road and it doesn't bear fruit. But some of you need to hear, you are not your own. You belong to God. Next verse. Verse 20. You're not your own. You were bought and paid for. You were your own before, but you were bought and paid for by a price. Therefore, because you're not your own, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body is the Lord's. Your spirit is the Lord's. And you don't belong to yourself. You're high. I've used to hear pastors say this. And it was an interesting concept. He would talk about the people that are hijacking their life. Taking what doesn't belong to theirs, to them, and running with it in a different purpose than what God desires. Than what the owner desires. God is your owner. God owns you. If if you were bought by the blood of Jesus, if you proclaim, if you believe, if you were bought by the blood of Jesus, you're not your own. The Bible says your body and spirit are God's. That should end. If we were to understand this, because I said it quickly, and a lot of times we hear God's word, but God's word doesn't get inside of us. If this word got inside of your spirit, that you belong to God, your body and your spirit are not yours, that you belong to God, that you're set apart to do his will. If that got inside of you, it would change your life. It would change how you live. You would, it would end the discussion about whether or not God is really calling you to lay down your life. Whether or not God is calling you to deny yourself and put him in first place. But the fact is, you belong to God, body and spirit. Therefore, it says, glorify God with your life. Your calling is to glorify God. 
Your body and your spirit were given to you to glorify him. Let's go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice. Notice that it says, present your body. That requires action. It requires, that's a command that requires a decision and it requires an action. That you come before God. What is the right response? If I want to lay my life down and if I want to set myself apart for God, how do I do that? The Bible says, present your body. Let's keep verse one. How do I set myself apart for God? Present your body as a living sacrifice. Lord, here I am. I live to do your will. Here I am, Lord. And you can, if you, growing up as a Christian, I used to ask myself what to pray. I don't know if it's ever happened to you where they tell you, they encourage you to pray and you get on your knees and you say, all right, what am I supposed to pray about? And I've never been one to have a prayer list to, to kind of go through and through. Uh, I, and, and, and I think everybody has their own grace and their own way that they communicate with God. But I've never been one that's a, uh, to use a prayer list. And so I would get in my room and say, Lord, and I would say, Lord, what after I prayed, I would kind of get to the end. And now what, Lord? And I don't know if you've ever been there. But one of the things that you can pray when you're in your car, when you're at home, alone, wherever you are, is say, Lord, here I am. I'm presenting myself to you as a living sacrifice. I don't, I don't want to live for myself. Show me right now how to live for you right now in this moment. And you could pray like that at work. You could pray like that in every um, wherever you find yourself and in every moment, you present yourself. Lord, here I am. I want to live for you. Help me to be, and teach me to be a holy and acceptable sacrifice. The Bible says it's only reasonable. After everything that God has done for us, the Bible calls it only reasonable that we would lay our life down. To live for him. That's the high calling. It's so high, we want to lower it to something we can put our hands on. To something, a lot of times, when we want to know God's will, we want to know what we're supposed to do. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. The high calling of God on your life. The high calling that pastor was talking about earlier. Is that you would live for God. That you would not live for yourself. That your entire life and everything about you would be a sacrifice to God. 
Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Listen, here's a parenthesis. Here's, a, here's an indicator. To the degree that you're conformed to this world, to that degree, you're not thinking like God thinks. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How do you know God's will? You need to be transformed in the way you think. You will not know. That word prove means discern. You will not be able to. How do you discern God's will? The Bible says you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind in order to discern, in order to prove what is the acceptable and perfect will of God. You cannot think the way this world thinks. And discern the will of God. Or let me say it differently. If you're unable to discern the will of God in your life. The world. The, 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 mind, the, world, the mind of this world still has too much influence over you. As you renew your mind. You're able to discern the good an acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's go to Ephesians 5.17, please. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. Many of us think the will of God is unknowable. That's a lie. Or, well, it's a lie. It's a mistake. It's an error. The will of God, not only is it knowable, but God commands us to understand it. He commands us to get away from foolishness and to understand the will of God. The highway of holiness is to know God's will. Hebrews 10.36 What am I trying to underline here? I want there to be no doubt in your mind. That God's will, that <clears throat> God's calling for your life is to do his will. Completely as your, as your passion, as your priority. If we look at God's word, there's no doubt. That God has called us to live for him. For you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promises. 37. For a little while and he who is coming and he who is coming will come and not tarry. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. I think we were just going to 36, so I think we're done there. <clears throat> 1 John 2.15. To be on assignment, 
is not to love the world. The highway of holiness means you're set apart. You're set apart from the love of this world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If you love, <clears throat> if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is another foundational verse. We said earlier, deny yourself. Here it says, do not love the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Those are strong words. That is a, a very clear demarcation. And it's something we have to pray about. And say, Lord, because the fact is, the love of the world is in our hearts. And so we have to pray, Lord, remove that. Remove the love of the world because it's going to keep me from having your love. And so another thing to pray, Lord, remove my love for this world. Next verse. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, everything in this world is not from our Father. Period. Point blank. No confusion. No wishy-washiness about it. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, none of that is from our Father. But those are things that we love. And those are things that keep us from the love of the Father. Verse 17. The world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Again. We are called to do God's will. We're called to be on, set apart to be on assignment for God. So if holiness is being set apart, set apart for what? Set apart to be on assignment. We said that if we walk on the highway of holiness, we're going to be able to hear God. We're going to be able to see God. Our life is going to give fruit. To what end? To do God's will. To do what God has called us to do on this earth. To walk with God. Now this is interesting. We're going to go back. We started <clears throat> reading in Matthew 16 in the beginning. And I think it was 16.24 that we started on. Go to Matthew 16.24. And then we're going to go backwards. Remember we said in 16.24. Jesus said to his disciples. If anyone desires to come after me. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. That's where we started today. That's where we started. But now I want you to see, this is verse 24. I want you to see what happened immediately prior to these verses. So we're on Matthew 16, 24. We're going to rewind to Matthew 16, 21. And look at how interesting. He said, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed 
and raised on the third day. Verse 22. Then Peter took him aside and rebuked him and saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Verse 23. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. And this translation, could we put the New American Standard Version if you have it? Thank you. That was fast. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me for you're not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's interest. Go back to verse 21. I want you to notice that Jesus said, So the translation I had here, and I thought it was New American Standard, but maybe just leave it there. The translation I, says, I have says, from that time Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary to go to Jerusalem, etc. It was necessary for Jesus to do God's will. It's necessary for us. Jesus considered it necessary to do God's will. When Jesus spoke of doing God's will, he said, it's necessary. In another verse that we won't go there, Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. It's necessary for me to be about my father's business. And Jesus left that as an example for us. We must be. There's no other option. There's no other game plan. There's no other... It's not a suggestion, it's not an opinion, it's not one of many options. I must be about my father's business. In this case, he says, it's necessary for me to go to Jerusalem. And he talks about all the things that God has called him to do. Now look at verse, go back to verse 23. Jesus told Peter. Remember, Peter later was called Later, Peter was told that, or, or Peter was named as a leader of the church. And here, Peter, God tells, Jesus tells Peter, get away from me, Satan. Mm, let's keep, if we could just keep the New American Standard, that would be ideal. For every verse. You're a stumbling block to me for you're not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's interest. Here's the interesting thing. Your mind is something you set. Your mind is something you set, like a compass or like a GPS. You set your mind on God's interest. Jesus told Peter, Jesus called Peter, essentially, called him Satan. When he set his interests, his mind on man's interests. And this is a challenge for us to ask, where are my interests set? Where are your interests set? Where is your mindset? Is your mind set? What's the setting? If I look at your GPS for your life, what's the setting? What's your destination? 
Oh, how do you know? Because a lot of people say to do God's will. How do you know? Well, on my GPS, every time I take a turn that's not in the direction of my destination, it says, oh, wait, you made a mistake. Recalc make a U-turn. Recalculating route, make a U-turn. Because I have my GPS set on a destination, it bugs me. It continually reminds me you're headed in the wrong direction. I, we go on vacation. We, we love to take road trips at the end of the year. Uh, it's one of the times where we get to spend with our family and a lot of times with our friends. And we get, we set the GPS and we're headed to, you know, usually it's North Carolina or Tennessee, somewhere you can reach in a, within a day or so. Um, and invariably, somebody needs to go to the bathroom or one of the adults wants coffee, right? So we got the GPS set and we're on our way, but then all of a sudden we take a detour. We're going to North Carolina, but hey, let's go to Starbucks. As soon as we start going to Starbucks, the GPS starts saying, hey, make a U-turn. This is not the way to North Carolina. Hey, make a U-turn. Gatlinburg is north and you're going west. And it constantly, because our GPS is set, because our mind is set on going to North Carolina, it calls out. It jumps out at us and says, when we're going the wrong way. Let me ask you a question. Where is your GPS? What is your GPS set to? What is your mind set to? What is your thermostat set to? The thermostat tells the AC, it waits to hit the temperature. It, it, it stays on until it hits the right temperature. As soon as it hits it, it stops. And then when it starts to get too far away from that temperature, it turns back on again because it's set on a, it has a particular setting. What is your mind set on? How do we know what your mind is set on? Well, what are the steps you're taking every day? What is your, what is, not what is your ultimate focus, what is your day-to-day -day focus reflect? That's what you're setting, that's what your mind is set on. Are we set? We need to ask ourselves, are we set on man's interests or are we set on God's interests? And the challenge is, Jesus told Peter, okay? He didn't tell some guy that was a non-Christian, that was a murderer, that was a thief. He told Peter, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're keeping me. You're a stumbling block to me because your mind is set on the interests of men. God has called us to set our mind on the interests of God. Of God. John four thirty two on the highway of holiness. Jesus said, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know. Next verse. 
So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him food to eat, did he? Verse 34. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him to, who sent me and accomplish his work. On the highway of holiness, your food, your, what gives you strength, what sustains you, what drives you, is to do the will of the Father. We need to get there. Now, let me encourage you. Jesus told his disciples, I have food. Let's leave the verse up, please. Jesus had to tell his disciples, I have food that you know not of. So this is a calling to get to another level of maturity. There was a time where Paul said, I wish that I could give you solid food. But solid food is for the mature. And you need milk. So there is a level of spirituality that we know where we're drinking milk. But Jesus comes and says, I have spiritual food. Because Paul wasn't talking about physical food. Paul was talking about spiritual food when he says, I wish I could give you meat or solid food, but you're not ready. So I have to give you milk. He's talking about spiritual food. So they were at a certain level. But God is calling us to a level where our food is to do his will. God is calling us to come up to a level of maturity. It's normal to start with milk. And then it's normal to progress to solid food. But Jesus said, my will is to do the will. My food is food that you don't know of. And they, to such an extent that when they said, when he said, I have food that you don't know, they're like, did he bring a sandwich in his bag? Does he have food in his backpack? Does he have protein bars in his backpack? No. You're on another level. You're thinking physical food. Our life, we're thinking on a physical realm. God bless me. God, what am I going to do about my job? God help me. And all those things are good. God is our provider. But that's at the physical level. Jesus said you need to mature to to, from milk to physical food, and then God is calling us to mature to a level where our food is to do the will of him who sent us and accomplish his work. Verse 35. Do you not say there are four months and then comes a harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're white for the harvest. 36. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. 37. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. 38. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored, and others have labored, and others have labored and you have entered into their labor. God has called us to labor with him. The Bible says the time has come where the guy that's picking up, the guy that's reaping, 
is overtaking the guy that's sowing. So you got a guy sowing seed, and the guy that's picking up is already coming to get, get the seed that just was just planted. What is it saying? There's no time to waste. There is no time to put this off for another day. The night is far spent, the Bible says. I don't know if it's the night or the day is far spent. I think it might be the night is the, the day is far spent. But the point is, time is short. God is calling us to set ourselves apart, to live for him, to do his will, and there's no time to waste. We're living in a day, not because of the pandemic, not because of the pandemic, but the pandemic and other The Bible says that better is the house of mourning than the house of feasting because that's the end of man. Death, the end of man, it's good that man would take that to heart. And the pandemic is not the reason that we proclaim that time is short, but the pandemic helps to show us how many of us know somebody that we thought was going to be with us for the next 20 years and they're not here with us anymore. And again, it's not the pandemic. That's just one opportunity to meditate on the fact that time is short. We don't know how much time we have on this earth. But in the short time that we have, God is calling us to set ourselves apart, to do his will. Because the fact is, the day is far spent. We have a couple more verses and we're going to close. John 5.19. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly I say to you, the Son, when you're on the highway of holiness, you do nothing of, your own, of yourself. Another translation says you do nothing of your own initiative. When you're on the highway of holiness, you do nothing of yourself. Unless it's something he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. That's what God is calling us to. That we not live on our own initiative, but that we live doing what we hear and see from God. Which God will reveal when we set ourselves apart to live for him. Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. And we'll close with that. It says, therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering you have not desired. This is God's desire for you. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you do not take pleasure. God is not interested in our religion. God has not called us to religion. God has not called us to play church. He hasn't called us to burnt offerings and sacrifices. He says, you have no pleasure in them. Verse 7. Then I said, behold, and this is what pleases the Lord. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. God has brought you to this earth that you would do his will. 
Amen. Amen. Pastor, I'm going to pray. Amen. Word of the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Palma, for that. One of the things that has to concern us is that in the last days, deception and darkness will be so rampant, the climate will be so thick that people will be occupied in a thousand fronts. Now, as you follow what happened this morning in the word that came this morning to be on assignment with God, look what 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3 says. 1 Peter 4, 3, it says, For we have spent enough time doing our own will. That's it. We, we, we have spent enough time in the past, the, the last 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, we've done our will when we walked according to the desires of our flesh, seeking earthly, temporal things. Those are idolatry, things you put before God's assignment. No, I'll serve God. I'm going to do good. You're not going to do anything if you don't do the kingdom first. The Bible says, verse 4, since we spent enough time doing our all things, in regards to these, they think it's strange. The people that are doing their own will think it's strange that we don't join them in the flood of dis, uh, dissipation and they speak evil. These guys are too into God. My friend, you better get into God. The, day, the, the night is far spent. We haven't done the will of God for us to occupy ourselves in earthly things that are about to pass away. And the eternal things are at hand. And our children need to understand that you don't put off serving God tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. So thank you for that word, Pastor Palma. Uh, verse 2 in First Peter here, chapter 4, says... that we should no longer live the rest of our time in the flesh, in the lust of men, but attaining to the will of God. That, that's what Pastor Palma has brought with regards to the highway of holiness. The highway of holiness is doing the will of God and you can't do the will of God if you're pursuing your own desires and not denying yourself. Father, thank you for this word. We give you thanks for this pulpit that's changing the world with words of life. Thank you for men of God that have consecrated and set themselves apart to seek your thoughts, your words, and the conduct which should govern our lives, that we would be about our Father's business, that we would see your glory, every opportunity to win souls, to point people in the direction of Christ, to move in the power of your spirit, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to make serving God a tangible, deliberate, intentional reality in our lives. Father, we pray that we would be empowered by your spirit to live according to your excellence on assignment with you. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. See you at 12 for the Spanish service. And have a wonderful week in the purpose of God. God bless you.